Hello and welcome. I'm Eric Erickson here on WSB, and this is our annual Good Friday presentation. If you hadn't been here before, welcome. If you have, welcome back. For the next two hours, we'll talk about the most important weekend in human history and why it matters today. I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of Heaven and Maker of Earth. And in Jesus Christ is only begotten Son of Lord He was conceived by the Holy Spirit Born of the Virgin Mary Suffered under Pontius Pilate He was crucified and dead and buried And I believe what I believe what makes me who I am No, I did not make it No, it is making me It is the very truth of God Not the invention of any man That's third day A great group of guys I think they have since all moved on from the band But just a wonderful, wonderful group of guys And a wonderful piece of music that they did uh, with Brandon Heath there. I am delighted to be with you. This is eight years now that we have done this. The very first year that I did this, I, I told management at this year's station, having, I, I was not a radio guy, uh, not at all. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I am an evangelical. I believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. And I had never worked somewhere that expected me to work on Good Friday. And I said, if I'm going to work on Good Friday, <laughs> well, you're going to get a unique show. The looks in the studio, priceless. Uh, and there, there were a lot of people who were like, you know what? He shouldn't do this again. And uh, inside WSB, everyone was very supportive of it. And uh, the audience has loved it. And now I've been asked to do a Christmas one every year, too. Uh, after Captain Herb passed away, uh, he, he took up that one. I had been doing it before I got here. And... Uh, now I do a Christmas one, but the, the Good Friday one is, uh, to me, very special. And I will tell you why I do it. If I'm going to work on a Friday, I, I, I believe in tithing and think I have been very, very blessed to wind up in a job I never expected to be in radio. Uh, and I'm sure I will get to the point of telling you the story tonight, but I am here on this radio station because I got asked to fill in for a guy who got arrested in a crack house. Not here, but elsewhere. And a day turned into a week, turned into a three-month stint filling in on a radio program for someone who got fired. I got paid in an expired gift certificate to Outback Steakhouse. And uh, the then president of CMG heard it, uh, thought it was my show, and asked me to take Herman Cain's spot when he ran for president. And I have been here ever since. Completely providential, never planned on doing it. And as a result, uh, I do this show. I can take one day out of talking about politics and news a year and do something like this. And I appreciate your support over the years for doing this. It is honestly the most gut-wrenching, stressful show I do. I have to work myself and talk myself into doing it. Uh, in fact, last night I went out and I walked. And by the time I was done, I'd walked three miles uh, just psyching myself up to do this show. Uh, today and getting ready for it. it. It is an exhausting, emotional thing to get ready for. And I never expected that, but it has become something. And, and now so many of you expect it. The main reason that I do this 
is because this really is uh, the, the anniversary of the most important event in human history. And I don't say that as a Christian. I say that as a human being, if you ask historians, and this has been done, and it's been done repeatedly, and it seems like uh, there are a lot of people who are hoping one day uh, most historians will say, nope, nope, it didn't happen. Uh, but in fact, most historians really do believe, they may not believe that Jesus is the, the risen Lord, the Son of God, but uh, they do widely accept that, that a man named Jesus lived, and they do accept that he was crucified on a cross— uh, they may not accept that he rose again from the dead, but they accept that. Uh, it is accepted uh, widely by people around the world, uh, and it is monumental in the impact in history. There is, an, in fact, in most surveys of historians, uh, uh, academic historians around the world, not just Christians, but academic historians around the world, most historians list it as the most important event in human history, and virtually every historian lists it in the top five important events in human history, but it averages typically as the most important event in human history. And the reason is because the rise of Christendom from a tomb in Jerusalem is a profound thing. It has fundamentally shaped human history. It has shaped Western civilization. It has spread the, it has shaped the spread of Western culture. It has shaped uh, the values of the West. It has shaped the language and the vernacular and the common tongue and the idiomatic expressions of the rest uh, of the West. It has impacted the East. It is now impacting China. Uh, the, the Council on Foreign Relations expects that uh, there will be upwards of 30% of the Chinese population will be Christian by 2050, which is profound. The rate of Christianity spreading throughout China since 1980, according to the Council for Relations, has grown 10% a year uh, without stop, despite bulldozing churches despite persecuting Christians, despite jailing leaders. And the most interesting thing is that only 20% of self-identified Christians in China attend a state-run church. So the impact of what happened on that cross roughly 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem continues to shape the world. And you don't even have to get to, is Jesus the Son of God? Now, I believe he is, and we will discuss that tonight, but that is why we do this every year because whether you believe uh, in in any religion at all, whether you are Christian or not, you cannot escape the fact that one man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago has echoed through human history since that point. And in fact, I would argue was echoing through history up to that point as well uh, with things that happened. But since that time, I mean, the West— exists as it does today in large part because of the Christian faith. Uh, the slave trade was wiped out because of Christian missionaries and, and Christian belief. William Wilberforce. It's very, very funny to hear people today in, in the vernacular as Christianity in the West is on the decline, uh, savaging Christianity because of things like slavery when it was the Christians who were the ones who got rid of it. William Wilberforce and others. This is a monumental event in human history that we talk about tonight.
Stricken, smitten, and afflict See him dying on the tree Tis the Christ by man rejected Yes, my soul, tis he, tis he Tis the long-expected prophet David's son, yet David's love By his son God now has spoken His appearance was so badly marred he could not have been recognized. So disfigured, so beyond all human likeness that we hid our eyes. Though he carried all our griefs and bore our sorrows. Eric Erickson here on WSB. Every year we do this, I pick out music from listeners, a lot of it from uh, people in the area, either recommendations or from local churches. Uh, one of my favorite parts of doing this every year is that uh, I've gotten to meet a number of uh, great people over the years in doing this, and it also inspired me in, in part to go to seminary. Uh, where I have been, I, I, and I moved from Reformed Theological Seminary in Marietta up to Southeastern Baptist, where I've been working on my doctorate. I'm actually thinking I may move back to finish my master's uh, it, it, I, for a lot of reasons. But, you know, the, the main reason I got into doing this was because uh, after doing this program for a number of years, and again, this is the eighth year I've done this, uh, but a couple of years in, I started getting asked to preach on Sundays. And by the way, if you ever want me to come speak at your church, I'm glad to. If you want me to preach on Sunday, I'm glad to. I've done it around the country. The very first big sermon I ever preached, uh, it was kind of funny. I had a John MacArthur study Bible with me and, and who was right there literally in front of me. No one had told me was going to be there. John MacArthur himself. <laughs> Man, I was in my 20 minute. You people think I talk fast on the radio. My 20 minute sermon, I think I was done in five minutes. Um, but it, because I kept getting asked to preach and, and I kept saying no, cause I'd never been to seminary. And so I finally decided to start going to seminary. And it, I, I do think it's very funny that, uh, the churches that were asking, they did circle back once they found out I was in seminary. And when they found out I was at a reformed seminary, they're like, yeah, maybe not. Yes. Uh, John Calvin and I, yeah, we, 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 we agree a lot. Um, we agree on all those five points <laughs> nonetheless, uh, but that's why I, I went, and and then I became much more aware that this is a ministry where I really I try to open up to you in ways that I don't, and because of the clock in this hour, when I do it with the traffic breaks and and the segments, I, I try to. I, I try to be a little more personal here and get into the, the deeper stuff in the next hour, and I will, bear with me. But I also like to play the music, because the music is a part of this. And so let's listen to this, and this is Need to Breathe. And when we come back, let's get into the meat of this, why I really feel compelled 
to do this program. Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. This is the WSB Good Friday show, and this is Death Was Arrested by the ministry up at North Point. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to lend mercy coming When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained And my orphan heart on iTunes, uh, in, in Apple Music, I've got an account at um, E.W. Erickson, virtually everything, all, all social media, E.W. Erickson on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on SoundCloud. You'll be able to get this on, on uh, iTunes through the Eric Erickson Show podcast or through SoundCloud at E.W. Erickson, but you can get the list of the music that I'm playing uh, at uh, Apple Music. It is the Easter 2019 playlist. It is on my profile. Uh, there are extra songs in there, some that I really wanted to play and just uh, I, I wasn't able to um, make time. And I, You know, I map out the songs before I do the show, and I know there are some songs I wanted to play that I'm not going to be able to play tonight, so there's that. Um, I can't talk about what I want to talk about right now because I'm afraid I'm going to cry. <laughs> and it's very awkward when I do the show in this clock. You know, when I first started, I was 9 to midnight, and, and then 7 to 10, and then 6 to 8, and now, then 5 to 7, and now 4 to 6. And in the beginning, we didn't have to stop for traffic, and so it wasn't very awkward. And I'll never forget, it was it was poor Captain Herb. Uh, we moved into drive time, and, and I'm literally sobbing, and... <laughs> It was it was bad, and I, I'm afraid it'll happen. Um, so let let me do this in this segment. Uh, what do Christians actually believe? I always say, and you you talk to to different people, and and they'll tell you different things. I think there are three uh, boundaries from into which you can pour a lot of things of disagreement. But I think that there there's a perimeter that's formed by three points. And the first point I believe is the resurrection. This, um, 
so much intellectual capital of early Christianity was poured into this. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the physical resurrection of Christ did not really happen, we're all fools uh, and, and, and we're ridiculous people. And I, I firmly believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Christ. And I believe you have to be to be a Christian. Now, there are a lot of people out there who say they're Christians and, and they don't believe this. In fact, gosh, I, I put this up on, on theresurgent.com the other day. Uh, that this is not a controversial point. This has been settled doctrine within the church since 33 AD when Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And yet a neighbor of mine actually said, oh, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, may, may, maybe, you know, there's the Gospel of Thomas and stuff. And it, it reminded me of just how bad churches are with doctrine these days because a number of the things that, that he's, he cited, including, well, the, the formation of the canon and stuff, they're actually really good answers for that. Uh, like, for example, they didn't actually write in stone, basically. These are the books of the New Testament until about 300 A.D., 350 A.D., uh, but you can take the early church fathers who lived in the age of the apostles and, and just after the apostles, and you can recreate the entire New Testament. It's not like the books weren't known. It's just nobody wrote them down in the order they should be in, but they were all known, and they weren't citing these other books. And so Christians really believe the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have to believe that to be a Christian to begin with. You have to believe that. It's it's not in dispute in any denomination. You have to believe that. If you don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are not a Christian. And if that upsets you, it's not meant to upset you, but it may upset you. And if it does, I'm sorry, but you have to believe that. The second point is, I do believe you have to believe in the virgin birth. Uh, you cannot believe that, that Christ was fully man. You have to believe he was also God. You cannot believe he was fully God. He also had to be man for reasons we'll get into here in a little while. Um, but you got to believe in the virgin birth. If you can't believe in the virgin birth, you can't believe in the resurrection. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can't believe that, that God became man and was, was born by a woman who didn't actually have a, a, a lay with the husband. But hey, I can believe that this person went to hell and came back. Um, no, if you can't believe one, you probably can't believe the other. They're, these are the two miracles that I think are, are two points of that form a boundary for what you have to believe as a Christian. And the third, making a triangle into which you can pour so much, is the Trinity. Uh, there are many fine people, many of whom are very dear friends of mine, and I know and I always I feel awkward saying it because I know it makes them mad. And I don't mean to offend, but I really do believe that the third one is uh, the Trinity. Now, some people say it's second, necessary but secondary, that the deity is more important. I think the deity is related to it, uh, that God became flesh. Jesus is not some ancillary figure. He is the second person in the Godhead. He is, he is God himself, and I think you have to believe that. And between these things, we can believe much, but these things are necessary to get to the, all the parameters and doctrines of Christianity.
for me and and I know he has listened to this program at least I've been told he's listened to, to this program and um I, I he was an acquired taste for me I, I wasn't sure at first but then I realized he was going through a, a, I dare I say experimental music and it just it took me a while but man I really really love David Crowder's music now um good 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 guy by all accounts I, I have not met him and uh, know a number of people who have worked with him in the past um so within those three parameters of faith, I, I, the resurrection, physical resurrection, the virgin birth, and the Trinity, there's so much about Christianity that is in dispute among Christians, but those are disputes among Christians. Uh, they, are my Catholic friends, uh, are, are they Christian? Yes. Orthodox? Yes. Um, Presbyterian? Yes. Baptist? Yes. Methodist? If you believe those three things— then yes, I do believe that you are a Christian, even if I disagree with how you interpret your faith. And, and there's a lot of that these days. Of I, I think there are some people who they so want to be liked by the world that they twist their faith. And the problem is, historically, we see as people begin to twist the faith to be liked by the world, they fall out of the faith. They, they stop believing things. We've seen this over and over and over with people, uh, some of whom were, were great theologians at one time. You know, I was in a Bible study. I need to resurrect it. Called the, We called it the Dead Theologian Society. And we only read Dead Theologians because we didn't want anybody to start reading somebody and have them wind up like Rob Bell. Uh, when we come back, we'll see if I can get through it without crying. There ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise right out of the ground Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well look way down the river And what do you think I see? I see a band of angels and they're coming after me. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look down yonder, Gabriel. Put your feet on the land and see. But Gabriel. 
you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? the only song Were I have played every year. Uh, in fact, it used to start the program. There were there are three verses to this song, and I would play each verse uh, for each hour. Tonight, we're only doing two hours, and they, there are so many Georgia musicians that I like to highlight. I love my Johnny Cash. Uh, I always play two. I always play Ain't No Grave and always play Were You There? But, okay, so this, this, is, this is me keeping it real, and I try to only do this once a year, and I do it now and truth be told i was going to do it in the last segment so i could move into deeper i i but this is as deep as i can go and i don't have to toss traffic in in case i cry my god help me i don't want to want to have a glenn beck moment on radio (laughs) y'all i you know a, a friend of mine once told me that the hardest thing to be as a christian is one who has never not believed or has no memory of not believing. And I don't have a memory of not believing. Some of my friends, I, I have a professor of mine from seminary who was an atheist and, and he he read John Stott's book. I, I actually have a copy of it right here. Uh, basic Christianity. If you are interested in Christianity, if you're a Christian and you're wondering, John Stott's Basic Christianity, read it. And he read it and, and he said he, he got on his knees completely unbelieving and, and got up his, from his knees as if he had never not believed that it was that profound of a, of a conversion. And his wife, uh, Rosemary, is like me. He says, we, we have very boring stories. of it. I just, I don't have a moment. I, my very first memory of my grandmother is sitting in her lap with the Golden Book Bible and her reading me the story of Daniel in the lion's den. To this day, my favorite story of the Bible, Daniel in the lion's den. I remember the picture vividly. I actually found a copy of the Golden Book Bible so when my kids were little, I could read it to them. I don't have, I don't have that, but there are moments where I have known in ways that I did not know before if you're someone who's struggling, Christians talk about the the peace that transcends all understanding. And I, I've lived that. And it's these moments. I mean, like accidentally falling into radio, all these things providentially. I never expected to be on TV. I got on TV. I was on TV before I was on radio. Fell into radio. Uh, but the week before Christmas, here we go. The week before Christmas in 2006... I lost my job. I was running Red State. We were an independent company, and we were out of money. And my dear dear friend of mine to this day, dear friend, calls and told me we were out of money. I was going to have to find a new job. The ad revenue had gone away. The Republicans had lost Congress. Nobody was buying ads on a, on a conservative site now. And I needed to tell my wife. She was at the doctor for an appointment, and she came to the door and she had this look on her face, and I needed to tell her, but she had something to tell me, and 
She told me she had to go to the hospital. She had a blood clot on her jugular vein. They had found spots in her lungs. Back in Labor Day of, of 2006, we were headed to the beach, and she was in terrible agony, and she had all the symptoms of pulmonary embolism, and the doctor said it's either that or it's her gallbladder. Scan her lungs. If it's not that, it's her gallbladder. So they scanned her lungs. No pulmonary embolism, but they saw the, uh, spot, they saw these spots, and uh, they we went to the beach. She wound up having emergency surgery. She had a blocked bile duct. They took out her gallbladder. We got home. There was a message from the emergency room saying that we needed to call them back immediately and schedule surgery too late. Um, but she went in to have the, the, the scan for her lungs. And when they were scanning, they found the blood clot in her jugular vein. And they're like, you, you got to go to the hospital and be treated for this. And she got there and her doctor so, you know, there is a rare form of cancer. This is one of the side effects because people don't get blood clots there. And if they do that, they got spots in the lungs. Well, you may just have this form of cancer. We need to do a biopsy. And so they did a biopsy the week before Christmas in 2006. And it was a scene out of a movie. They called me back down a corridor into a little room it was just a door with a window. I think there was a window in the door. I don't know if there was a window in the room. There was a two chairs. There was a phone and a Bible and a table. There was a doctor and his assistant, nurse assistant, my in-laws. And they told us my wife had six months to live, that she had a rare form of cancer. And it had spread into her lungs from somewhere else they did not know. And because there was a storm outside, there was a wreck in the, and the emergency room was full and they needed as many doctors as could go, could go. And said she was recovering. And if we wanted him to come back and tell her that she had six months to live, he, he would, or I could do it. And I had to tell her I'd lost my job. So I went and I waited for her to wake up. And I told my wife she had six months to live. She did not believe me. She really didn't. Um, but that's what the doctor had said. She had six months to live, and I was out of work. And look at the time. I've, I've got to go. I've got to leave you in recovery. I've got to go get Evelyn, our, our daughter. She's one. She's at daycare, and, and it's almost six, and i, I got to be there. And so I leave in the rain. It is raining. The, it, it, it's beginning to drizzle now, not raining so hard. And I get up and I just can't make eye contact with anyone. And I'll never forget, we get home and I had this old beat up car. It had been my sister-in-law's car. It was an old black Acura. And I get Evelyn out of the back seat and I cannot move. And I sink in the mud. I'm sitting in the mud and I'm crying. And she begins to just pat me on my cheek as if everything's going to be okay. As everything's going to be okay. And she's as happy as she can be. And I, I've got to, I got to get out of the mud. It's raining and we're getting wet and I'm covered in mud now. My wife's going to die. I'm out of a job. I've got to feed the baby. I've got to change her diaper. I've got to get her down for a nap. And I do all of this. And I wait for family to come to take over. And I go up to my office. I've put Evelyn down for a nap. And I just begin to cry. More so than I'm doing right now. Um, and to send emails to people and tell them I've got bad news. My Christie's going to die and there's nothing we can do. I've got six months with her. I'm going to be a single dad. And I went back to the hospital that night and, and she didn't really even remember that I told her and I told her again. 
that she had six months to live and what were we going to do? And we began to have conversations, the conversations you never want to have, but it was the conversation that you have to have because you're in the moment at this point. And what was I going to do? Uh, I was going to be a single dad. Would I get remarried? What would we do with Evelyn? How would we raise Evelyn? Where should we live? Should we be close to my family? Should we be close to her family? All of these things. And late that night, the doctor came in and he said, you know what? We made a mistake. We've never seen this before, and we thought it was cancer, and we need to send it off to the Mayo Clinic to be looked at. And it turns out it wasn't. Turns out it wasn't. But I'll tell you what. You can listen to this, and you can say, oh, God had nothing to do with that. But uh, fast forward 10 years from then, I am in the hospital And I very literally am dying. I am. It is March of 2016. And I am very literally dying. I have blood oxygen of less than 85%. My lungs have filled up with blood clots. And I'm waiting to be admitted into the cardiac ICU unit. And... My wife gets a call from the Mayo Clinic, and the Mayo Clinic says, hey, we inspected those spots in your lungs 10 years ago. We're seeing people from that time period who had those same spots, and they're converting to cancer. We'd like you to come out for a biopsy. I'm literally being wheeled into the ICU. It is actually so bad that the doctor sees my scans and asks if they've taken the body to the morgue yet. It's that bad. Um, They don't expect me to make it through the night. And I can talk about that now, and I don't know that I've ever said that on the radio before, but they they weren't expecting me to live. It was that bad. Um, I I still have clots in my lungs, and that's how many clots I had in my lungs. I've still got them in my lungs. Um, but had Christy not had that happen to her in 2006, had she not had the misdiagnosis, we would not know now that she had lung cancer and they caught it so early because of that. And you know, the next day, it, it's so funny. The next day, uh, my buddies and I who were partners at Red State, we got a call from a group in Washington that wanted to buy Red State. And so I didn't lose my job. I got a pay raise and a new job, uh, editing a site for a, for a larger corporation. It was just, it was, it was all within 24 hours. And yes, I have seen God's hand in my life. I have felt the peace that transcends all understanding sitting in my office, praying, begging God for help, begging God for mercy. I felt it. I have lived it. I have been there. I know there are those of you who have been there. I know there are those of you going through hard times. And so I tell, I force myself through the tears, through the heartache, through reliving the pain every year. That's why I do this. Because I know there are so many of you out there who are going through these things, who aren't sure, who are looking for something, and I I want you guys to know, I, I've been there. I have been there. I have lived this hell, and I'm happy to share it with you that sometimes it doesn't work out. Christy's got an incurable form of lung cancer. She does. Uh, there is no cure for it. But my goodness. We know God's with us, and he's got a plan, and we know that right now there's a drug that she takes that keeps it in remission, and we continue to fight and pray, but we've been there. 
satisfied her hunger was Billows combed on regencies for the souls of men she craved Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here on WSB. This is the Good Friday Show. I seem to live in valleys where death is always waiting for me to come home. I am a so no place to ever call my own no where to lay my head oh you have found me you took my heart and you breathed in life that's Death Has Lost Its Way by a band named Carrollton. Uh, they're not from Carrollton, Georgia, but uh, they are good people. Uh, they really are. I, uh, roundabout, have gotten to just uh, know them kind of, sort of. They were very kind a couple of years ago. Actually, I guess it was 2016 when Christy and I were going through all of our health struggles and sent us a nice package. It was very meaningful to us. Uh, so uh, look, I, I, I don't mean, I, I, I know some of you, I, I put you in tears and I, I didn't mean to, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself out of it, but Christine and I are fine now. I guess it's time to give you the Erickson update before we get into deep theology and, and full, full disclosure, deep theology is coming up in the next segment. If not now, <laughs> um, we are fine. Uh, Christy has an incurable form of lung cancer. It is genetic. Uh, you, you don't need to say every year I say this and people, they want to send me radon testing and, and this, that, and the other. And she's no, she's never smoked. No, it's not radon. It's genetic. Her family has a, a terrible genetic history of cancer, breast and lung. And she did not get the breast. We, when we first got married, she had a prophylactic mastectomy because her mom died of breast cancer. Her aunt died of breast cancer. Her grandmother had breast cancer. It was called early, but basically all they, they all died of breast cancer, save for her grandmother. So we did this and turns out she doesn't have that gene. She has the, the lung cancer gene and we, we deal with it. And it is, it has been a struggle. And I've got to tell you in the last couple of years, we we've struggled with church. And I mean, just this last month, y'all has not been easy. It, it really hasn't been easy. And I haven't wanted to complain on radio, but at the first week in March, she got pneumonia. She's very susceptible to lung stuff now. She does take a, a pill every day, keeps her cancer in remission. One day the pill will stop working. She goes for scans every three months. 
Um, the, the pill typically works for two years. She is now into beyond two years, um, two years and, and I guess six months in now, and it's still working. We have a scan coming up in a couple of months and it stresses me out every time. Uh, our life is lived in three month increments and, but she's fine right now. She's good. But uh, this past month she had, she had pneumonia. She got a kidney infection. She was um, badly treated by an ER doctor who uh, didn't pay attention to what another doctor said needed to be done. And so we spent days and days in ERs. We have already exceeded our individual and family deductible this year. Uh, and and I got sick as a result, and, and I've been traveling. It's It's been rough. It's been rough. It, it, I My in-laws are saints. I could not survive this past month without uh, Thomas and Linda, my in-laws. I, I genuinely could not have survived without them this past month. Uh, they have been such a huge help. But it's been rough, and it has been depressing. And I've had all these these burdens and job burdens and, and frustrations and struggles and and I, I really, at some point, I want to do. Say, I want to do this show nationally. I want to have a Good Friday show nationally one day. I, I want to have a national show, and, and I felt I've been working and setbacks and and just everything else, and I felt piled on. It's it's been rough. Um, so when y'all have hard times, I just I, I I say all this because I don't want the pity. I don't need you to get to woe as me or or anything. I appreciate the prayers, but I just I. I am more and more mindful of the fact that there are so many people who go through garbage months and garbage days and deal with awful things and they think they're all alone and you are not alone. And that is why I do this. That is why I bear my soul and, and share with you all the problems that have happened in our family. Uh, because I need you to know you're not alone. I want you to know that there are people out there who are going through this with you and it gets better. And if you have faith, be a faith. Let not your heart be troubled. Redemption, Resurrection Day is coming. Like the first morning, blackbird has spoken. Like the first bird, praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing. Fresh from the world Sweet the rain's new fall Sunlit from heaven Like the first dew Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here on WSB. This is the you final half hour of the Good Friday Show. I'm longing for you. And someday on me I'll stand where my home shall be eternal.
I'm kind of homesick for a country where I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will there be spoken. For time won't matter anymore. Beulah Land, I'm longing for. So this is where we get into the theology, the history of of Christianity and of Easter in particular. Uh, that, by the way, Casting Crowns, a good Georgia group. Uh, beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, their version of it. I want to spend a little bit of time on what happened on Good Friday. We we call it Good Friday. And my sister actually texted me the other day and said, why, why do we call it Good Friday? And we do because it is good for us. God died on a cross for us and conquered death. He did it for us. Uh, the gospel message, gospel, um, it means good news. And the good news comes with this, Jesus dying on a cross. This is from Luke 23, beginning at verse 26. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus, and there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with them. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now the sixth hour, the sixth hour on this day, 1,980 some odd years ago, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. This happened. This is real. 
historians accept it. There is more evidence for Jesus of Nazareth existing than there is of Nero, the Roman emperor, existing. There are more firsthand accounts. There are more secondhand accounts written within 50 years of, of Jesus's life than of Nero's life. And there is this. There were a lot of people who claimed to be the Messiah. There were a lot. And we only worship one of them. We only remember one of them. To conclude that Jesus was not who he said he was, you have to write a lot of people out of history. You have to write Irenaeus out of history. Irenaeus, we know who Irenaeus was. We have a lot of Irenaeus' writings, and Irenaeus studied under a man named Polycarp. And Irenaeus wrote about Polycarp and what Polycarp taught him because Polycarp was a student of a man named John. And Polycarp studied with another man named Ignatius, who we know existed. We have Polycarp's writing. We have Ignatius's writing. Through Ignatius and Polycarp and Clement, three of the, the post-apostolic, the very first of the post-apostolic fathers, uh, Clement worked with Paul and Peter. Uh, Polycarp and Ignatius worked with John. And, and Paul and Peter apparently had interaction with them. We know from their writings. We can piece together virtually the entire New Testament from these three men and their writings. That's how we know the New We didn't need people 300 years later to say, oh, these are the books of the New Testament. We had three people and a couple others who worked under the apostles directly who wrote about what they said. And through them and their quotes of the original letters and their attestation that these letters were by the men they said they were from, we can recreate the New Testament. People who dispute the New Testament can't dispute that fact. And we know Polycarp and Ignatius, they studied under John, and they identified John as the apostle, and they identified John as the author of Revelation and his three books and of the Gospel of John. And John was an eyewitness. John was Jesus's best friend. We know from John, we know from Mark's account, which is actually the account of Peter that was written by Mark. We know from their account, we know from Matthew, who was an apostle himself. We know from Luke who interviewed people. You know, people don't appreciate this about Luke, but Luke gives us Mary's song. Luke very clearly interviewed Mary. And the reason we know that Luke had to have interviewed Mary herself is because his, his language that he uses shows clear diction of how he translated Aramaic into Greek. The word phrases and choices he made are the word choices and phrases he would not have made except be he was translating Aramaic into Greek. So he spoke to someone who spoke Aramaic. More likely than not, it was Mary. We know these things. We know these people are real. We know Paul is real. Every, no one disputes that Paul was real. Some say he perverted scripture. But no one disputes he was real, and, and Paul says that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people, including his brothers, including his brother James. James became a leader in the church, and here's, here's an interesting thing about James. James did not like Jesus when they were alive. Uh, maybe I shouldn't go that far, but James is Jesus's, is some say half-brother, some say first cousin, but they were, fam they were kin. And Jude, who wrote a book of the Bible, they were kin. And... According to John the eyewitness, according to Mark, 
which is Peter's eyewitness testimony. John, John or yeah, James rather, I'm sorry, James and Jude, they told Jesus, get out of town. We don't want you here anymore. They tried to stage an intervention. They and Mary, all J- J- Jesus had multiple brothers, uh, Joseph and Jude and James and Simon, and they staged an intervention with Mary. They showed up where Jesus was preaching and tried to get him out of the house. And Jesus said, you're, you're not my family. These people are my family. They would not come comfort Mary when Jesus was executed. And yet James and Jude were leaders of the early church. Something happened to convert them. James was actually told by the the leaders in Jerusalem, you need to denounce your brother. He's dead. And people are claiming that he's risen again. We know you didn't like him. You need to tell people this isn't real. And what was James's response? I was wrong. He's the risen Lord. He's not my brother. He's Yahweh. There's a profound statement. He said, Jesus is Yahweh, God, the creator of all things. And the local leaders were so enraged, they carried him to the top of the temple and they threw him off. Him proclaiming Jesus, his brother, was actually Yahweh the whole way down, splat to the ground. And he's broken, he's battered, he's bruised, he's bleeding, he's dying, but he's still breathing and proclaiming Jesus as Lord, according to the eyewitnesses. This is all historically documented. And they stone him to death. Judas killed. Jesus' brothers are systematically exterminated. His whole family line systematically wiped out by the Romans. All of the apostles save John, wiped out by the Romans. All of these people, you're telling me all these people were willing to die for a lie. All of these people were con artists in it together. They were willing to die for a lie. They were willing to spread this story across the world. All of them dying terrible deaths except for John. And you're telling me it was all a lie? Really? You're telling me it was a lie? I refuse to believe it was a lie. I refuse to write Irenaeus out of history. I refuse to write Clement out of history. I refuse to write Polycarp and Ignatius out of history. Polycarp, a man who at 80 years old, the Romans came to him and said, all you got to do is bake a cake. I'm sorry. All you got to do is burn incense. Everybody knows it doesn't matter. Everybody knows you don't mean it. All you got to do is bake a cake. And Polycarp said, I can't. Because I would know I am giving honor to something that would be sinful for me to do. And he said, Jesus Jesus has taken care of me for 80 years. I'm not going to turn my back on him. And Polycarp said, you don't even have to tie me up. I'll stand in the fire and you can burn me to death. We know this happened. This is documented by the Romans. Polycarp went on to the pyre and was not tied down. He stood there as the flames consumed him. And some say the flames didn't consume him and he was ultimately stabbed in the heart. But we do know what is what is not in dispute is he stood in the pyre untied to be burned to death. And we know he was a student of John. We got to wipe a lot of people out of history for this or we can believe. Now, I can't sell you on Jesus being the risen Lord. I I can't. It is not within my power to convince you of something you do not want to be convinced of. But I can tell you there were a whole lot of people willing to die claiming he was Lord. Would you be willing to die to claim that a friend of yours is the risen Lord? If you knew you were going to die by holding on to the idea that your friend was the risen, and all you had to do was say, okay, my bad, he's not. Would you go to your death to defend a lie? Because all these people did. In the beginning, God told Adam and Eve that Eve would have a son who would crush the serpent's head. To Abraham, God said that, Abraham, I'm going to make a, a deal with you. You're, you're, if you will treat me as your God, accept me as your God, your 
heirs will be as numerous as the stars. And Abraham cut up animals and was going to walk between the animals because in that day everybody was illiterate and that's what you did is you walk between animal parts and assembled. I'm, I'm going to make a, a covenant with my king and if I fail to live up to my end of the bargain, I'm going to die. And Abraham was prepared to die. He was going to accept God as God, as his God, and God put him to sleep and God walked through the, he could see in the vision, God walked between the animal parts. God said to Abraham, Abraham, if you, Abraham, screw up, I, God, am going to die. And he did on that cross. Jesus was the manifestation of God's love. And he has rescued us from our sins and the sins of our fathers. All you have to do is accept him as your Lord and Savior. That is the good news. That's all you got to do. And your life will be profoundly changed. There's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain. He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. I'm Eric Erickson. Every year I close with this song. It is Jude's doxology, Jude, the brother of Jesus, who went to his death proclaiming Jesus as Lord. On behalf of WSB and my family, happy Easter to you. God bless. Jesus brought you out of Egypt. Remember, he has sought you as his people. Remember, he has saved you from your sin. Remember, remember him. Jesus brought you through the Red Sea. Remember mighty miracles that you have seen. Only God.
Lord Jesus Christ.